Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, we had an earthquake this week, people. And it was the lovely Joanne's first earthquake out here. And, and she actually thought the heating duct from the ceiling was going to was dropping on us. And we live we live in a two-level. And so the bedroom is upstairs. But it's the third floor of this building. And I'm going to tell you something. This one scared the crap out of me because it rumbled and it made sound. And then we put the news on immediately. And I always noticed, noticed two things about the news. One, there's always like an old lady who calls in and talks about her chandelier shaking, which no one cares about. And the other thing I notice is people always get like cell phones and they get video footage of stuff shaking. I know for me, when I when I only get my cell phone, I got to take it out. I got to try to find a camera, try to find a video. I it, I can never get it done. So I don't know if these people constantly have cell phones, but it was scary. It was it was it was a very it was a bigger one than I've ever felt out here. I've been out here for 13 years, and so yeah, it woke me up and I was like scared. I almost jumped out of bed, and Joanne's like, "What's going on?" But anyway, we have a great guest. My guest is Je- uh, Jeremy Ratchford. Did and, uh, did you did you feel the earthquake? <laughs> yes. So what, what what did you think? It didn't last long enough to get, as you said, to get your phone out, to get the camera option on, go past your little encoded whatever it is. No, it was like, I thought a truck hit the house. And I missed the first seven earthquakes down here because I come from a land where there's subways and dump trucks. So, wait, so houses Ki- shake. Kitchener, there's subways? Uh, Toronto. Okay. Kitchener, so, the dump trucks. How, 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 far, how far is Kitchener from Toronto? Uh, an hour. Okay, so now now you grew up in Kitchener, and we were saying you you were a big hockey fan. I think it's a given. If you're in Canada, you have to be. Yeah, it's it's ingrained in you. Not not so much curling, right? But oh, and I, but the curling story of Kitchener, there is a place called the Granite Club in Kitchener, and it is a curling club. Okay, and that is where Burton Cummings wrote American Woman. All right, after he had performed at uh, the the local auditorium, the Kitchener Rangers. Um, was it? No, you don't even know the name. It's just the auditorium um, where, when I was 11 years old, I sold peanuts, cracker jacks, ice cream bars. Now, how how do you get, like, here, when you're 11, you can, like, cut lawns or shovel, you know, sidewalks. So you can't get anything legal. How at 11 could you be selling that? I, I, I started working when I was nine. I had a paper out. And then I heard about this you know you can get a job selling that stuff and i went down and i, I remember mrs Colvacs was her name uh and i went down and interviewed with her and she just had you know kids like we were just kind of just kids i mean her nephew eventually started working there and he was even younger um but uh it was great i mean um i did uh was it the kiss concert i did cheap trick uh, 12 years old, there's no smoking laws whatsoever. Oh, yeah, you probably got a contact high. I mean, oh, everyone's getting stoned. I, I, I remember <laughs> halfway through something, said, hey, look, the Coke Boy's stoned. I was like, ooh. <laughs> so, the ice capades, I got Gump Worsley's autograph. Uh, I served Harold Ballard and King Clancy, and they fucking... That's right, don't worry. It's okay. Wow, I got that's fine. Don't worry. No, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I, I, it's not like we're gonna, I'm going to get taken off the air. It's internet. You're fine. But I just try to tell people not to say Whoa, the F word. Yes. Yeah, and it was all from that damn Gump Worsley. You know, you get that Gump Worsley, you get him North Star. Actually, Gump was okay. It was King Clancy and then uh, um, Harold Ballard, the cheapest guy who owned the Leafs for decades, lived in the gardens. 
Um, but yeah, it was a great. That was a fantastic job. I was there, I think, for three years. So did you? Ca- you actually carried this coke around, and you get handed. We out, had or? these old metal trays, and I I was a stocky kid, and there were thirty six. It was two two levels, and I was strong enough at twelve to carry two of them, so I oh, could wow. go out with thirty six. I, I went out with seventy two cokes in it because when you're doing the ice capades, you can't be on during the show, so you want to hit that intermission like crazy. So I would just carry them like a bear and sell as much as possible. Did you guys get commission? Is that how it worked? Or, what, uh, or it was hourly? Or did you make money you for what you what? sold? I, I don't even remember. Because I, if, if, it was, if I made it hourly, I'd be like, if you didn't sell them, it'd be like, oh, big deal. But if, if you're getting them, making money for everyone you sell, that's, that's another I story. I think we might... Uh, I, I, it's, that is so funny. I can't remember. I know that we had to... Because we had to prep. We had to pour all the Cokes. Right. And I remember the, the, the toughest part about that, those little plastic cups, is getting the lids... And we'd have to pour hundreds. That's why your Coke's flat. We were there two hours before the game, pouring <laughs> hundreds of Coca-Colas. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, I th- think we got paid hourly. At, our, I think the drinks were 35 cents. Wow. Now it's like a Coke. is like... I, we, I went, actually, we're going to a concert tonight at the El Rey, and uh, Sticks, the group Sticks. And um, I went a few weeks ago with my buddy, and you sit there, and everyone's like, oh, the beer. And the beers are like nine bucks, and that's that's like cheap for an event. Like when you go to a Dodger game, they're like 12 bucks, and you're like... But it's for like... Their, their premium beer is like Dos Equis, which you can get anywhere for like three bucks. Well, see, and I'm from Canada, too, so, so it's a whole different situation in Canada. I, I remember we used to drink uh, Molson Golden and uh, Labatt's. Labatt's. Labatt's and O'Keefe. Did you ever hear of yeah, O'Keefe? O'Keefe yeah. And that, I, we used to, and we loved the Molson Golden. That was like popular. Like, and, and then a place in Burbank used to sell before they closed. It was a thrifty market, like a Rite Aid. They used to sell for like seven ninety nine a twelve pack. And we're like, this is good beer. You, you can't find it out here that much though. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I had, I had the Molson Triple X one time, which put me on my ass. I had a friend from Canada who brought it down. I'm like, try this. And you could just taste like alcohol in it. And it's like, he's like, oh, it's like 8.4. And you drink like three and you're hammered. Yeah. So, so, so you're growing up in Toronto now. Now, were you a fan of acting when you were a kid? I mean, because you've gone into this career. I'm, I'm, I've seen your IMDb. You, you started professionally working like in 1985 or 86, is when yeah. you were basically. Out of high school. Right out of high school, yeah. But now, as a kid, did you want to act, or was there a big acting scene in the area you're from? It's really funny because uh, my, my son, my eldest son now is nine years old, and I think that's when I did my first performance. And I was the messenger in Rumpelstiltskin and the understudy to the king. Uh, and I got bit by the bug. I loved it. Why did you audition? What made you to gravitate? Did you just say, I No idea. I was in the choir. Uh, in fact, I recently just reconnected with my choir conductor uh i don't know what made me join the choir in fourth grade or third grade or whatever it was but i'm so glad i did because i now have a running knowledge of of songs that you know like the battle hymn of the republic isn't or or the hallelujah chorus there's a great thing on youtube um the uh the silent monks doing the hallelujah chorus it's hilarious okay these kids do it um but i know for the lord god hallelujah I wouldn't have got that had I not been in the choir. Okay. And for some reason, I auditioned and got the role. And the fact that I was the, I remember, the fact that I was the understudy to the king was like, really? And at one rehearsal, the king flipped out and left and they put me in. And you're, and you're young. You're yeah, young. I was nine years old. And it was just like, wow. This is, this is like, I don't know. There's something, and there's, it, it, 
there is something about backstage. There is something about being in the wings. Uh, I tell you, I want an album of an orchestra warming up because uh, when they're in that pit and it's an hour before showtime and you're and then you slowly hear people coming in and you know, the, that that excitement starts to build and then the lights go down and get and it's it's I don't it's 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 a rush it really well, is. yeah you know because I, I did stand up for a lot of years and it's the same thing when you came in the club but then it was like crappy poppy music playing you know and then you wait for you know then you go on and it's always the hokey announcement I mean I remember I was going back east before Joanne moved out here and I was playing this one comedy club that I performed back in like 1988 and they still have the same opening tape and it's the, the song the curly shuffle and I'm going I <laughs> forgot about that yeah I'm like what is that and I'm like you guys this is 20 odd years you know you should get rid of that song you know Make it, make it nowadays. But, Doing the curly yeah. shuffle. <laughs> so, so you're you're a kid. You're acting now, but there's not a big burgeoning acting scene in Kitchener. I'm guessing. No. At one point, uh, I auditioned for the community theater show, and they were just shocked <laughs> that this you know 18, 19 year old kid was ready to sign up. And then I got a movie, uh, and kind of gone. What movie did you get? Uh, <laughs> is that the cut above? Is that what it is? Yeah. No, yeah. Is My this, son keeps asking me. I was like, shut up. Is, is that an ice skating? Is that with uh, D.B. Sweeney? Is that the hockey no, movie? No, no, no. Okay. What's, what's no, the cut no, no, no. so, above? So how did you get the movie? Was it cast in Toronto or Kitchener? I went or? down to Toronto with two other guys. We drove down. We how took far a is wrong that from turn. Kitchener? It's uh, 60 miles an hour. Okay. So we drove down, took a wrong turn, and finally found our way to this agency. And she said, you know, well, wait, I don't know what's going on. And she sent me out on a couple just to see how, what would happen. And the first audition I went on, out on was for Anne of Green Gables to play the role of Gilbert, which is Anne's boyfriend. Okay. Uh, and I got in there, and the guy just started laughing. And I had no idea why. And he finally said, no offense to your acting, but if you see who we've cast as Anne... You look like a gorilla beside her. Like I was two times this size. I was 19 years old. I was a strapping young man. And they had, you know, a 13-year-old girl. Like, so he's just like, you're coming in for Gilbert? And it was very early on learned, oh, it's not me. Nothing to do with me. It was like, this is right. sizing people up. And then I think the second or third audition, I drove down. And I had a job at the grocery store the, back in Kitchener. Um but it was taking the time to go down during the day and stuff like that. And uh, it was for this horror film. Uh, and uh, I didn't know Toronto at all. Uh, so when they said, could you come back at four? Uh, I just, <laughs> and not to be a burden on anyone, I, I parked myself underneath the coat rack. So other people coming in could sit on the couches and okay. kind of do their thing. And they came out for lunch and went, what, what are you doing here? And I said, oh. I'm just, I got to wait till four. Like, I, cause I didn't have Toronto. I, I'd been lost several times in that city. And it was like, you want to see me again? I'm not risking right. not knowing. Cause there's a street, there's a street. Is it the Danforth turns into Bloor Street and then Davenport turns into DuPont. And there was a time when I was looking for the address and I went up and down the street the first couple times I went to Toronto, not knowing, terrified. Cause the, the, the big fear for me would be being late. Right. I hate being late. Like See, I'm, today. I'm, I'm the same way. You know, you've been on a time. Well, it's funny because my, my first guest had to cancel. And so I was sitting there and I was like, 
I, I'm just fidgeting around here because I'm stuck here. I'm not. I mean, I live in Burbank, but I'm not going to leave and drive home and come back. Mm-hmm. That's why Joanne then came down. Cause I said because she's she loves cold case, and I said, I said, I said, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, I want to come and see. Joanne only comes into the studio when there's people like that are. Uh, that she's big fans of. Like when Nia Vardalos was, oh, I want to come down to see her. So she's very slight. When Terry Nunn from Berlin was here, I want to come. She goes, oh, yeah. but like then I'll have guests. And she goes, nothing against any other, I'm either guests. It's Joanne's taste. But if I have someone, she's like, oh, oh, oh. you know, I always tell like she's excited. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she came in to kill my time. So, so you, you, it's this movie, the, the cut above. So you, 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 well, it was, you called, it was called Junior. And the tagline is, it's a cut above. Oh, see, because no, I'm a psychotic chainsaw rapist. It says a cut above, and your your character's junior. No, the movie is called Junior, but... It's screwed up on IMDb. It says a cut above. It says your role is junior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it was originally called Hot Water, uh, but then it was called Junior, and then I guess Schwarzenegger had Junior, so they may have changed it again (laughs) because... They're constantly getting the wrong movie. Uh, who knows? So you book it. Is it the, are you the lead? Yeah. Okay, now that must be weird because you only done, you never didn't, been in front of the camera before. Nope. So are you happy? Are you nervous? Or what's going on through with you? I had no, I was 19. It was just kind of, uh, uh, bring it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll try anything. I'll, you know. Uh, and I remember my parents were a little nervous because I was, you know, dubbed as a chainsaw rapist. And they said, you know, don't do anything to embarrass yourself or the family. And right. it was a horror movie. It was ridiculous. Uh, um, and uh, it's funny because some people saw it and they went, oh, it's, it's been arguably judged as one of the worst horror movies okay. I've ever done, too. Uh, and it, it was funny. I, I, and I learned... I, I, at that point, um, you know, I was the kid telling him, I said, oh, and they go, you know, scene 47, take four, and they slayed it. And I'd say, oh, it was upside down. And they go, yeah, and it was tail slate. I said, I know, but it was upside down. And they, no, it was it, but I'm like, and I just, guys, I don't want to be an idiot here, but it was upside down, just so you know. And they went, oh, okay. You're a newbie. You know, when we do it at the end, we put it upside down. Oh, and then I go, what's this? Two shot, you guys keep. You know, we're gonna do a two shot. What's, what is that? And they, they again, they look at me like, what? Because again, I was nineteen. I was, you know, uh, I'd worked. I'd, you know, been through school and stuff like that. I was not, you know, like you know, little Abner. But uh, all the, I, I asked questions, but some of the questions I asked were like, what? And it's shot in Toronto. That was shot in the the wilds of Montreal. So you, but you stayed in Kitchener. You're living in Kitchener, and then now, when did you? Shortly after that movie, because I met some people on that, and they said, oh, you know what, and started driving more down to Toronto, than, and it was sort of, you know, um, the safe play. I didn't move down there till I had a job. I got a job at a restaurant, uh, and then I moved into a house that had a stuntman, a sound mixer, an actress, uh, a cab driver. Uh, the animal slaves stayed in one room when they came to town. It was some sort of punk band. It was like just this one, a girl owned or had the lease of this three-story home and rented rooms. But it was, everyone was sort sort of artistic. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's bedlam when I think about it. Well, you think about it, yeah. It's like, because it is. It's like when you get a beach house down the Jersey Shore in college, you have like yeah. five five guys, you know, and then people come in on weekends, and it's just, it's a big party. I could, with a lob wedge, uh, pick off a prostitute at Jarvis and uh, uh, Gerard. That was the big prostitution area. And uh, less than a week after I'd moved in there, someone was stabbed in the alley. So it was a crappy area. So my mother's like, 
There was a stabbing on McGill. Like, oh, yeah, McGill's seven miles long. But it was, you know, like every city has that. Yeah, every. I mean, you can. There was, there was, there was just a. I live in Burbank. There was just a stabbing up yeah. in Burbank in a in a nice area of Burbank, and it's like it happens. Well, that's the um, uh, uh, the Mormon uh, the Scientology Center. No, the Mormon Center. Uh, it was I, right next to that. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about him, but there was a guy from a cop show with a cockatoo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that area. Oh yeah, on Tahunga, yeah. it's gorgeous. And he's, right. people walking their dogs at eleven o'clock a day. This is the seedy area where he went back in and got a gun, and that, that's maybe supposedly. Or, I actually, when I years back, I was working at Gordon Beers in Burbank, and I was a waiter, and I I waited on him during the trial, and it's funny because you know him back then, but he was he because from the stress he had lost so much weight because I'm I'm sure you can't eat because you're sitting you're in court every day and everyone's hating you so so. That's funny. So you're in Toronto. You're at, now. Are you getting more acting gigs, or are you just you're working at the restaurant? I did everything backwards. I did. I was the title role in my first job. Then I was a, a semi-recurring sort of. Uh, I was a character called Ox on the Campbells, and then I did uh, my first commercial, which did really well. Was it a Toronto commercial? Was yeah, it was. A, there's commercial? a photography company up there, Black's Photography. And I had to just dance down the boardwalk acting a fool. Actually, Keanu Reeves and I were in uh, sister commercials. Okay. And then we did Kellogg's Corn Flakes. Uh, Keanu and I were always kind of... Uh, it was weird, because this is back... Jim Carrey was doing stand-up, I think. Uh, Kids in the Hall were doing uh, improv at the Rivoli. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland was just coming to, like... There was a whole bunch in and around that time, and then kind of start darting off and stuff. But uh, so we were, yeah. I did the commercial, and then, um, yeah. I just I, I worked kind of steadily. Oh yeah. Then we did. It was I guess Patrick Dempsey was supposed to be in it, but it was Keanu, myself, uh, Peter Spence, and Leslie Toth. We did this Young Again with Lindsay Wagner, okay. which was a movie of the week. You no, know, because I'm looking at your IMDb and it says you were in something called the Lawrenceville Stories. Yeah. Now was that in was that shot in Canada? Was this all Canadian TV? Like yeah. when it says TV movie, TV series, they were mostly Canadian series then. No, no, no. This was shot in uh, Toronto, but it was a PBS. Okay. Uh, and a lot of the Americans came up. There was a tax break. There was a dollar. Uh, you know, you'd spend a million and get a million and a half. Uh, so a lot of American production came up there, and that was, I, I was going up for a lot of roles that were, you know, um, uh, 20 to 35, any ethnicity. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, third cop on the left and see what happens. Well, I saw you actually, you were in a Kids in a Hall sketch. Yeah, I did I did three, I, I kept begging them. Because they're I, so funny. They're, they were, that show was just so damn funny. Yeah. I worked with each one of them, I think except for Bruce. I worked with each one of them on different TV shows because they were actors as well. Uh, and I told them every time, I was like, any like, time, I'll be a corpse. I don't care. Right. I just <laughs> want to be around that. And it was Mark McKinney that phoned me up one time and he just said, are you serious? Because we don't have any money. And I said, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to sign the paycheck over to the Actors Fund. Like, I don't care. Don't. And we went down there and uh, we did, uh, I did Rookie Cop on their cop beat, the, the Cherry Beach. Uh, and then, oh, no, no. I did uh, It's a Thin Line, and I'm supposed to play some uh, movie star, and the director goes insane. He comes up and says, it's Mark McKinney, and he kind of goes, you know, you, you, hey, Johnny, you know, you gotta, you, 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 you're perched on the edge of this you know, dream, and you're thinking about this, that, and the other thing, and he goes, you got it? And I'm like, yeah. And he walks away, and he goes, it's a thin line. And he turns back, he says, because you're like an 
ant on a rotting cantaloupe and he just goes nuts and i'm supposed to like well, i don't know what's going on so we did that and then he and bruce were talking and he went come here we sat down for lunch. he goes how would you feel about being a rookie cop on her i was like yes right. like, this is what i was hoping i wanted to just anything you know i would i would have been a corpse on that show i got my head crushed Okay, you're, well, you did. Okay, I, I remember I was, I was the head. bouncer. Were, okay. Hey, so, Mr. Flatty Muscle Head. I remember. I, 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 yeah, I remember. They, they were so funny. I remember when they had the uh, the dad who tried to act real cool. I think it was, uh, he's 40 and he's your dad. And he's like, hey, man, he's got like the mullet and he's got the leather jacket and he's trying to be all hip and like hit on his daughter's friends. That stuff was so funny. And it, they never really got their ado in America. Because when they came out with that movie, I wasn't too crazy about uh, the brain candy it wasn't it didn't do what they did so well that was a problem and no one really in america went crazy on them well and it's uh, their 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 show each week was um they had sketches and then they also had sort of like the laugh-in bits where it's it would be a 15 second gag but it was like the 30 helens agree like all that stuff was just and they were coming you know they were kind of nurtured by second city and second city was the same like the john candy catherine o'hara years it was just they were doing some sketch stuff but then they did some really kind of quick off and like crazy you had to be paying attention right. and you had to be a bit warped to really fully appreciate yeah, it. I, I loved it i remember yeah. when someone turned me on to it. we were doing comedy back then in philly and was like so we gotta watch this, and we would just like talk about it, and just crack up. Like we, it was like one of those things you knew the lines from the stuff because it was just funny. It's like a, the kid in a race, you know, is eating an onion, just weird stuff. And we would just, and no one, be, no one would get what we were talking about, and we're just like, this is so funny. So you do that, you're doing the kids in the hall. Now, when do you decide to move to L.A.? Uh, ninety six. Okay, but I know you did Unforgiven with uh, Clint Eastwood. Yep. Now. You're doing you're doing a bunch of TV. You're doing you're, you know you're doing Canadian commercials. So you're making a living, and you're, yeah. you're an actor. So you're not working at a restaurant. Are you still living in that big crazy house, or did you? No, I got a top two floors of an old Victorian home, and then uh, I remember I moved into a house the night the Unforgiven won uh, five Academy Awards, and I remember sitting there in the middle of all. And I was finishing another movie. Uh, Small Gifts, which is one of my favorite gigs. Um, But I was sitting alone in my house, surrounded by boxes, with my bed in my dining room, because I was doing some stuff on the second floor, and it was like, holy smokes. Right. I would say something stronger, but I've been warned. No, 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 just not kidding. But it was like, I'm in an Academy Award winner. Like, wow. Well, how did that come about? I mean, you know, because, you know, you, in Canada, you're not, you're known in Canada. The, you're the, word, Canada. the word came out that there's this Eastwood picture. Because there, there were other pictures coming up. They, they, Pacino worked there, you know. They, they, everybody shot in Toronto and everybody shot in Vancouver. Were they auditioning in Canada or were they auditioning mostly in L.A.? Or was well, it probably easier to get you get Canadians to work because of the work permit? Well, and it's, yeah, it's to their, you know, the more Canadians they have, one they didn't have to pay was residuals either. That was, there's, there were breaks every which okay. way you can go. Is, is that because of the Canadians Actors Guild or whatever? Yeah, or, uh, okay. uh, ACTRA, sorry. Um, I went to the first audition and I kind of had two lines per page for three pages. And uh, I was supposed to be loading the gun. It was the, the scene with the deputies. Um, and I remember because... It was just a woman and a camera. You don't meet Eastwood during the process. Um, and 
uh, I smoked at the time, so I had a Zippo lighter, and I had to have some business loading a gun, so I just took apart my lighter and put it back together okay. again. Because like, there's a lot of time in these, and she said, we'll just do, um, I'll just read the line right before your line rather than reading through pages and pages and waiting for me to you know, have the one or two. Um, so she said, whenever you're ready, but she had the first line. So I start taking apart my lighter, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And she's looking at me, and she goes, whenever you're ready, uh, you have the first line. She goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And inside, I'm going, what are you doing? Right. This is my audition. Like, you're, you're sabotaging me. And I have no idea, because I didn't, never got to ask Clint, but I, I don't know if my, my grace under pressure was just like, uh, I'm ready to sit here on camera as long as you want to, 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 to say the lines. Then... Uh, they called two weeks later. How well can you ride a horse? How tall are you? Could you ride a horse? Uh, of course I could. Yeah. I know. I could you them. actually, though? <laughs> Did, I mean, no. Not really. <clears throat> In fact, I got bucked on that show. Um, but uh, then they came and uh, uh, they cast Saul and, 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 and uh, um, uh, um, Wovitz. Uh, okay. So it was like, oh, it's gone. And everyone in Toronto went, eh, yeah, that, that was huge. An Eastwood Western? Wow. And then I was down at that office uh, about a week later and uh, talking with my agent and all of a sudden she just went, she's on the phone, she goes, Jeremy Ratchford is going to be in the Unforgiving, like Gene Hackman's deputy? And I was like, what? and I was like, don't mess with Right, me exactly. Uh, and I had to run out to the street to scream because it was just, I remember walking home that day too because some young punks were crossing the street and they tried to give me two and I go, you want to give me two? I'm going to be working right. with Clint Eastwood, the <laughs> baddest mama jamma going. So that was, I mean, that's just amazing. Now, what was it like on set? Because I've, I heard he shoots so fast. I mean, I heard it's like, he shoots like an unbelievable pace. Well, that's, it's a uh, master, medium, close-up, reverse, reverse, reverse. Uh, and uh, I've told the story a few times. I just worked um, with uh, Christopher Carley, who was in Gran Torino. And I just worked with Clint again on Jersey Boys. Um, so we were kind of, Talking about the style of Clint. I just love him. Um, it's fast, but he told us as a group of deputies, he just said, hey, you know that scene coming up? Why don't you guys go to the sheriff's office and work on it? And this is like day two or three. And we went, so we got there. It was like, we started running the scene ourselves and putting things into shape. Like, we didn't know it. And he said, that two or three, he said, I'll come by in 45 minutes. 45 minutes later, he showed up and he said, uh, show me what you got. And we all looked at each other like, Okay. Right. So we did it. And he said, can I get some movement off the top? Can you move from the gun rack to the window? I was like, sure. Like, this is what we're going to do? Yeah. And the genius of it is, we wanted it to be the best scene Of course. Ever. Yeah. We all were very accommodating to each other. There was no ego. There was nobody kind of going, you know what? No one stepped in to be the director. They, everyone just kind of went, I'm going to do my bit. You're going to do your bit. We all know what we're doing. So let's make it smooth. And that's, it's the quietest set I've ever worked on. Because, uh, you know, the you know, says, everybody's quiet. No one does that on an Eastwood flick. It's just the man just kind of commands that respect. Okay. And I guess it doesn't hurt that it's clean you know, somebody does move. This is a 45 yeah. Magnum. <laughs> the guy's 85 and he can kick everyone's ass on the set. Even I don't care who it is. I mean, you sit there and you go, how is he? Like, you sit there, and even like in a Grand Torino, and he's lifting that uh, refrigerator. You know he said, I'm lifting the refrigerator. Yeah. 
I'm 50. I, I can't even lift a shoebox full of like uh, baseball cards or something. You know, I'm like sitting there. I move and I feel my leg. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. It's just amazing. I mean, so, so that was just as amazing. So you got that. And so you, it's insane. You get on set and, and here I am, one of the uh, Richard Harris, Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman, and Clint Eastwood. Four icons, four completely different styles. Uh, and I've worked with that same crew because it was there was a lot of local based Calgary people there. I've worked with them three or four times since. And they, you know, when I wasn't on that picture, I was like, "Why weren't you like this?" On the like, are you crazy? Right. You know, we had ninety percent of the cast was men. You know, and the women were there, but it, they, they, they were. You know, I said it was the only film in the when the nineties where you could literally walk up and say, "Are you guys playing the whores?" Right. Um, but. I'm not pulling the wackadoo with Hackman. Right, you can't. You know, the one thing I did have, which my, my I think the moment I got the most respect on was uh, the the my last day. They had to shoot me out early because I had to. I had been booked on another gig, and I had been out on the Unforgiven. I was supposed to be there for ten days. I was there for almost two months. Um, I had to leave, so they had to get me out. And the last scene I shot was riding Morgan Freeman up with the posse and throwing Gene Hackman the Spencer rifle. So we come up with the horses. We've got this right. So you know, heavy, heavy rifle. I got to hurl it through the air at Hackman, and they went with a rubber gun, and the rubber gun bent, and he's like, "No, give me the real gun." So now I've got to get on this from this horse. I've got to hurl it twelve feet. Like I and I got to get it high and arc it so he can catch it. Like he's the right. pro. It can't be low. It's got. So I got to. So we rehearse, we rehearse, we rehearse, and as we go for the first take, they light torches. So I come riding up on my horse, and my horse starts going, uh, fire, <laughs> fuzz, 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 fuzz. Uh, and we got close. I got the rifle, and my horse reared, came down, and I started spinning. And all I thought was, throw the rifle as far away as possible, away from everybody. So I just threw it, and then the horse threw me. Wow. And the horse threw me right onto the rifle. So I landed on the rifle, on my gun, just Oh, my side. Oh, I can imagine. Like, Ouch. Hooves are kicking above my head. Uh, the horse takes off, and I get up, and there was this moment. And we'd taken the cast photo. Everyone was there that day. And it was backlit at night. It was like it was, it was Hollywood, the streets of Unforgiven. They were just backlit. It was gorgeous. Uh, and there's this lull of, you know, is the actor going to freak out? Because you just almost got kicked in the head. Right. Uh and Clint was always imitating John Wayne. And I had to go do the next day, I had to be a stockbroker uh, in an NFB thing for uh, for the National Film Board. Um, and uh, I just stood up and I said, uh, he said, you'll be the only limping stockbroker tomorrow to see where, you know, kind of, and I went, give me 50 million allied at 38. Right. Everyone laughs, ha, ha, ha. They bring in another horse and it's like, you okay? I said, let's go. Like, let's give it a try. You know, it's a different horse. Who knows? And I get up and Morgan Freeman said, well, you look good. And he was out riding with the Wranglers every day when he and he just he was living a life. Um, But I found out that morning he was out with the stunt guys and they stopped at a pond to give their horses a drink of water. And he had his leg over the horn and having a smoke and the horse kind of went up and dumped him in the drink. Uh, So I heard that. And so when he said, uh, well, you look good. I said, well, at least I didn't get bunked bunk right. into a pond and <laughs> F up my wardrobe for the next shot, which brought the house, like all the stunt guys were like, I, oh, 
and everyone was like whoa and as the words came out of my mouth i tried to get them back in because it was like i i'm not morgan freeman you know i'm right. not i'm just you know i think i was 27th on the call sheet or something like that um but to give morgan freeman his due he took it he took it and smiled and it was like I, I, one of those classic moments of because i didn't take the jab and because i threw it back in his face tenfold it was like good on you yeah, kid respect all of a sudden I, and i gotta leave i get my picture with eastwood they hand me my badge and it's like oh it was like the, the just the kind of the level of respect by not taking it right um was was perfect so you get to work with eastwood and then you eventually move to LA. Yep. And you're working and you're working, you're getting different acting gigs and you're, you know, you did some voice work and stuff like that. You're working and so many actors work on different shows and they work. When, when did you, when did you, uh, when Cold Case came up upon you, which was, uh, went for seven years, you were, I mean, I seen you were into practice and so you're basically being a guest star in shows. Yeah. So when Cold Case came. I did the All Rape Tour 2002. The what? Uh, the All Rape Tour. I was a rapist on The Practice. I was a rapist on NYPD Blue. I was a rapist. Because as a journeyman, the shows are full of bad guys, or good right. guys. You know, so if you're going, I was always, every time, you're either the abusive dad, the abusive husband, the abusive boyfriend, uh, the rapist. <laughs> you just, I said, do you ever get a firefighter that's yeah. just been hurt? <laughs> you know, can I be the guy that's sort of a hero uh, in the rough? Because yeah, you see, you practice in NYPD Blue, and then you were uh, CSI. So you're doing them, and now you were in Blue Murder. What was Blue Murder? Because you played a detective in Blue Murder. Blue Murder I did for three years. We did 13 episodes a year up in Toronto. Okay. And it was another cop show. Okay. I was Jack Pogue. So that got you being from the rapist to the cop side. Yeah. Okay, so you're in the cop side now. So when Cold Case comes along, because you play a cop on there, how did that, did you, was it, were you living in LA or were you back in Toronto? We were splitting the border. Okay. Uh, I was paying rent in two different countries with two different kind of dollar values. Uh, and we shot 13 episodes, so we were up in Toronto for five months and then back here for seven. Um, and that day in question, I had a three-year contract with Blue Murder. And they called, uh, the day that they called, they said, look, we want to go a fourth season. Uh, I know we don't have a contract. We'd like to have you back. But the problem is there's a government funding in Canada. So you lose that as your show ages. Uh, so they said, we'd love to have you back. The unfortunate part is you'd have to take a pay cut. Uh, and the pay wasn't anywhere near uh, right. network television. And I said, it, you know, kind of funny enough, I was just about to call you guys to say I don't know where you guys are going with the show but I just signed uh, a deal with Bruckheimer and I can't come back uh, and uh, Steve Lucas who was the creator of that show couldn't have been more supportive he just said congratulations and I wish you every bit of luck like this is proof in the pudding that what we we our game is rising and, and we got to keep rising so so you sign with Cole, you get cold case now was that a big audition process because the weird thing is cold case is one of those shows that i didn't start watching until later and uh just because i i was you know for me i wasn't around and i think it was on it's friday okay, saturday it's okay i don't but, see every show either yeah but no but the thing is but now i watch it i watch it when it was an ion i watch it all the time and then i get mad because i'm like wait a second I, i'm like i don't think i've seen every episode but ion was playing the same damn episode like every three months yeah. i'm like can you mix it up a little bit you know i want to see early stuff so you was it a big audition process for cold case it, um the the one way behind that was I, I went in it was the same kind of audition where i had two lines per page for six pages uh and i walked in uh, uh 
and uh, I I was sitting down, and I I did it, uh, and Mark Pellington, the director, was there, and he said, "Do you think you could uh, show me this guy's physicality? Could you stand up?" And I said, "No, that'd throw me." And I waited, and it was like, "Oh, oof!" It dropped like a lead balloon. I right. just went, "Okay," and I went, "I'm done. That's it." Uh, so I did that, and that was on tape. Um, then they had me back uh, a few weeks later. There was sort of like they were taking three guys for each role into a big room, and we were told at Warner Brothers, "Don't let the size of the room take your energy," because there's you know maybe forty to fifty people in an office, kind of stacked up, and you're kind of on a little stage there. Um, and I got to see my competition. I remember riding in because uh, uh, coming out of the car beside me, a guy was blasting Cat Stevens' father and son. And I remember thinking, if you're up for the same role I am, I'm I'm, I'm leaving you in the dust. Right, right. Because I'm getting amped. Uh, and I think I had Springsteen's just around the corner from the light of day live. Okay. You know, just around. I got I'm huge, out of work on the cold. Come on. I'm a huge Springsteen fan. We were, we were actually going to change your mind because she's never seen him. And I've, I've seen him out here all the time, and I saw him back east. And we were actually going to go back, and he's playing in Hershey, PA. And we were going to go, but then I said, you know, because by the time, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll he's, his tour's booked back east, but he hasn't done any West Coast things. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he'll come back here. And you can always get tickets out here, because yeah. it doesn't sell out. I mean, yeah. I got tickets to Anaheim, just to see him set, play Santa Claus is coming to town. My friends were there. I sat by myself. I sat with them. And then the security guard, I said to the lady, I said, listen, I don't have, my tickets were up there. I haven't seen these guys. So she said, I right, don't worry. So I'm sitting on the, in the aisle. <coughs> then all of a sudden she gets uh, replaced for break. And this lady's like, okay, well, you have to move. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then she walks away. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not moving. And then she comes back. Yeah, I, 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 know, I don't know. <laughs> Finally, she's like, you have to move. And I, so I came back. So I had, to go, I had to walk all around. I'm up this seat. And um, I sit by myself, and there's like empty, some empty seats. And I got the ticket like the day before, just just to see Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah. And then when I went back, the original lady was there. She goes, "What happened to you?" I go, "Your replacement and threw me out." She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." So it was, it sucked. It was, but I got to see Santa Claus is coming to town. And that's well, and there you go. You so, got it. so you go in there, you, you're, you're feeling good about the audition. Oh, uh, so I walk in, and I was in fact up against that guy. Okay, and another guy. I don't know who the other guy was. Um, but as I came around, cause you cut, you enter from behind those people. So I came around and I could see them and I just, I just kind of bellowed. I just said, how's everybody doing? And I said it loud and, uh, it was like, Oh, cause I was taking them on rather than, Hey, right. hi. and I sat down, uh, with the casting agent and I just said, uh, so one snake turns to his buddy and says, right. Uh, are we poisonous? And his buddy says, I don't know why. I said, because I just bit my tongue. Okay. <laughs> and I let that kind of go through, and uh, you could hear the kind of, did he just scream the right. F word? And did he just <laughs> tell a joke? And then, hey, wait a sec, that joke's kind of cute. And the, the, the laughter's going, and it kind of built up. People went, okay, who are you? Like what? And right at that kind of, I just turned to the casting and said, are you ready? And we did it. Uh, and it was going to be that night we were going to find out. It's like you're going to find out at 6 o'clock who's going to go meet Les the next morning for network. And 6 o'clock comes by, 6.30 comes by, 7 o'clock comes by, and my manager calls me up and says, um, no one's going to network. No one's going to meet Les. The only thing that's going is your audition tape. 
because they don't want you to do what you did today okay. <laughs> in front of Les because he might go, what the heck? You know, and they said, but your audition tape was pretty much what you did in that room anyways. Uh, and we walked around because then the next day was Les making decisions. Right. Um, and uh, I had heard that um, during that process, people would say, you know, what about this? Because he's making decisions for... CBS, right. everything. Exactly. And occasionally my name would come up. They go, well, what about Ratchford? And they go, who's that? And he go, the big guy with the voice. He goes, yeah, 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 I love that guy. And I'd be like, so a couple hours later, oh, yeah, and then what about Ratchford? He's like, who's that? The big guy with the voice. Oh, yeah, 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 I love that guy. And I got enough, I love that guy, is that uh, we were walking around the Beverly Center, my wife and I, before we were married. Um, but we saw this big, comfy leather chair. You know, I was like, oh, and I just... And we were just walking around just to try and stay away from the apartment, just to stay away. No, be, don't be, be, be near a phone. It was right. Just, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at the chair and I went, oh, if I get this show, I, I could buy that chair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. Like, wow. And then we got the call later saying, you got it. And that was, that was another one. It was, I felt, because uh, it was just the pilot and all that stuff, but I really felt like I'd been pulled up from, because, uh, you know, I had the show again blue murder and also it was like oh man i just got taken from the farm team right to the show so they cut they did the pilot they shot the pilot yeah and then so then you have to go through the whole thing again because it, it you're was, sitting there going are they gonna pick it, it up like we saw it there the scary thing was a group of us get together and we've got you know you get friends in different networks and people get pilots so we can have screening parties and we got a call saying hey i got cold case and there was only one crew photo or cast photo we took when we shot the pilot. There was one day we were all together. And I'm on the outside edge. So Francis, ah, I got the cold case, oh. And brought the DVD, and they cropped it where I was. So, you're not so on I'm it. not on that cover. <laughs> and I'd heard that they were talking about changing some characters. Uh, they got rid of one, they changed another one, and then uh, Justin, they let go in the second episode. Um, so when I I heard that and I didn't, I was like, oh, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, uh, bummer, uh, back to the drawing board. Um, and we watched the pilot and watched that pilot. I was like, man, that is slick. Like that was such a well done show. Well, what surprises me also about the show is at the time when it was cast, you know, the, the networks usually cast people who are, you know, now at least very known actors but the cast like there wasn't the, the actors weren't that known in that cast well i i and they you, you knew their faces but it wasn't like yeah with you know the star story well, it's it's funny because like uh, uh right behind us on the warner brothers stage they did studio 60 and there was they had their pick of anyone uh and they picked all you know a-list cats and that show never clicked right i'm saying but it's just and weird but so you never know so right. the, I, I it's always funny because you'll get shows sometimes like even like what am i watching now walking dead you know i didn't know half those people i am seeing but then you know you know that lead from uh love actually or right something. it's i think the one thing i've learned about this this life and this industry Without balance, it doesn't work. Right. So if it's all top heavy, 
you know, if it's all A-listers. It's like the Philadelphia Eagles when they signed all the guys on defense and they sucked. It was like, wait a second, you signed all these people and your defense sucks. Yeah. And it's a thing. It's Yeah, it's sometimes, I think egos get in the way. I think sometimes like that. So everyone's like, oh, this is my show. But when, when it's a lot of character actors, it's like, it's all our shows. And yeah. I think that's like, it's like the improv. You know, people say improv. You you make your other person look better and that makes you look better. That's, uh, someone else told me that, yeah, just can't get away from yourself. I always found like uh uh, well, yeah, that was one of Clint's models uh, in where Eagles Dare. He was working with Richard Burton. This is a, a famous story that they have this big scene. And Burton's like, who's this young American kid? And Eastwood, as they were working the scene, he says, I, I don't have to say that. I don't have to say that. You know, no, he should say that. And he gave away pretty much all his dialogue. And Burton sat there going, what is he doing? Right. And he said, he's a fool. And he kept some, he kept one line at the end. And sort of like, da, 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 da. Yeah. And Burton, he stole the scene with one line. Like, what? I'm always amazed. Uh, I was working with Clooney, and he said, too, that um, uh, when he was on ER, it's all journeyman directors. Like, they have their stable of directors, but they're all coming in, and they want their episode to shine. So they want you to have your biggest emotional moment. And if every character has their biggest emotional moment every episode, pretty soon it's not much. Right. So you've got to you've got to adjudicate yourself and make sure that you don't give it away too easy. Save it for when it's needed. Like I always said too. Like it's always funny on sets. You know, when I see people struggling and stuff, like you know, needing take after take. When I'm playing the cop, and it's like, where were you Thursday? Can anyone verify that? You know, just uh, what were you doing with the gun, Jimmy? Uh, I shouldn't need a second take if I'm prepared. But when I'm doing an episode that, uh, like, uh, uh, the one I had near the end, um, um, where I, I think I'm responsible for a guy's death because of a fire, and I had to do a lot of kind of like ah, soul searching. Yeah, sometimes you need an extra take to kind of go. Right. Ah, I think I got a little too much or not enough or da 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 da. So, um, but yeah, you don't want to. Uh, sorry, this started off with. Um, we're, just, we're just talking. Not about- giving away every episode, right? So now, so now you you do the pilot, and then you, you're not in the box. <laughs> so you're the, so you're worried. But then, when do you find out it gets picked up? And was it signed for like 23 episodes, or when did did they sit there? Were you a replacement, or were you they were rolling you out, or how did that work? No, we it was the same thing every year for me. We found out the show got picked up, uh, and it tested really well. Although that year. Tarzan had come was coming out too. There was like a modern day Tarzan. Okay, yeah, I think, I and that was the one everybody was talking about. <laughs> and I think Which is so lame. Six episodes later, no <laughs> one's talking about it. Um, but they said the show got picked up, and I sat there. And then, as pursuant to the contract clause, da 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 da, you have been picked up on the show. Like, <gasps> okay, okay. Uh, so, so Nick Vera is he's he's alive. Nick Vera is yeah, and he's alive on the box, alive. but he's he's yeah, alive. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the go-to guy for the confession. Um, that was my uh, the character's description was uh, a badass doesn't like to wear a tie. The go-to guy for a confession, Southly, Southly badass go-to guy for confession. Hates wearing a tie. Um, so we get picked up for the first for the front nine. Okay, uh, and we found out. Uh, I think relatively early. You know, some people that wait till the very last minute, but they came to us 
can't remember when it was, but it says, you got picked up for the back nine. Okay. So now we're doing 18, and then there was rumor that we'd go 23, like they wanted to get a full season. Uh, and when the show hit, it, it was it was a hit. Like People loved it. The music, the style. Yeah, the music the was changes, good. you know, they, and the chemistry, like our, our cast, we still all uh, text each other and have goofy. We're still all in contact. And it, you could really tell that as an ensemble, I mean, Catherine was the star of our show, but as an ensemble, we were, uh, we all cared about each other. Right. Um, and uh, then I think on the 11th episode... All of a sudden, it's like, could you guys come with us for a second? And they took us, they were taking us outside away from everyone. And we thought, oh. Isn't that funny? Everyone thinks that in Hollywood. Like, like they, everyone automatically, so they, they, they talk to you, you, they're like, wait a second, we're getting, we're getting, something's happening, the show's done, I'm getting shot, or my, whatever. My nine-year-old does the same thing, though, and I go, Dex, could you come here? He goes, am I in trouble? Right. First thing, <laughs> oh, am I in trouble? Um... But they said, could you come here? And we all went outside and they said, uh, you know, it's, this is, no one can know. Don't say anything. But they've already picked us up for next year. Okay. Because usually, like what they did the last year, the, the, the unfortunate part of it is that, you know, eventually we were still a top 20 show in the seventh year. Um, but uh, they kept the trucks. They kept the stages. They kept everybody, you know, on, 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 on the hook. Uh, and then 10 minutes before the upfronts, before the announcements, uh, we got a call saying, you know what, they just, they just canceled us. So we were sort of like what all heck? anticipating going back, and no, it's not, uh, which is the other side of that coin. There's a, hey, you got picked up earlier than you know, so you go, oh, I got another year of work. Right. So, so you, you got picked up for the second season. Did you go buy that chair? <laughs> I bought my wife a chair first, and then I did buy. I still have that chair. The same one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have that chair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the show you get picked up in the second season, and you're getting viewers. And now, as you know, it's it's a hit in America. So, are people starting to recognize you? And are they, was a that- friend of mine told me I was like being um, the drummer of Aerosmith. Okay. Uh, I had all the perks of being in a number one rock and roll band, but only the de- 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 devoted few kind of knew who I was. Um, but now that it's running on CBS, TNT, and Ion at different times, um, I, I'm getting picked out more just because it's the volume. When it was once a week, it was you would get that, hey. And the, the cute ones are because all the cop shows run in. is at the Laurel Tavern, and someone says, uh, Law and Order. Yeah. And I went, cold case. And they went, you're right. Said, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's so funny. That's what a lot of my guests have been character to say. The people recognize you, but they, they, they can't tell where from. Yeah. They're like, they sit there and go, we know you. And then if you say, well, what from? They're like, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it starts, I always find the career starts off to kind of go, they go, did you go to Camp Ketchikoma? Right. And you're like, no. <laughs> did you go to McGill? I know you. Right. Um, and I, I get recognized more because I'm not, I was, Told I was the kind of grumpy guy on the show. Like, oh, you're yeah, the yeah. kind of grumpy guy. Uh, and when people see me on the street, I'm usually not in a suit. Uh, I usually have three kids, right? which is, you know, the human monkey bar set. And I'm a fun dad. I like having fun. We're always doing stuff. Well, it's funny because I don't have kids and Trent doesn't kids. And we were at my friend who's an actual detective. We were up at his place uh, Saturday, a uh, Sunday. It was because it's our wedding anniversary. And I set the couple up. And we were just saying, he is a pool, thank God, because he said, this is my life now. And these kids, I mean... They're just, and they were well behaved, but it's just like they're running around, and you just, I'm like, wow. I got nine, six, and four. Okay, wow. I never get stopped asked, being asked questions. Yeah. 
Daddy, is that dark out there? Is that the moon, Daddy? Why is the moon white, Daddy? I don't know. The, is that the stars, Daddy? How many stars are there, Daddy? <laughs> now, now, have they seen your, you act on the show? I mean, oh, they're but, funny. Because well, before, I mean, kids, no, he's not watch no they go, Dad, Dad, your show's on. You're on TV, Dad. And then my, uh, my oldest, because he's been kind of, well, he's just my oldest, so he's that much more aware, but he'll come up to me and he'll kind of go, Dad, those people just recognize you. Because you'll see people in line. I was at the Leaf game. Uh, the Leaf game, and there's all these Leaf jerseys, Leaf and Kings. And all of a sudden, there's a guy, uh, a friend of mine was waiting in line, and the guys behind him were from Guelph, which is five minutes from Kitchener. Okay. Like, we used to go to, that. there was Guelph, Preston, Kitchener, like, we were, we were kind of like a, the suburbs, I guess. Uh, and all of a sudden, they were like, oh, and that's, and my friend's right in front of me going, oh, that's that guy. Yeah, he's from Kitchener. Uh, here I am down at the Kings game. And it's just, that's kind of funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I get recognized more by my voice. Okay. People hear me and they'll turn and go, and then they go, you, you know, you look a lot like that guy. And then and it's like, like I, 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 no, I always say, <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. So when the show was shooting in Cold Case, did you ever did you ever go to Philly? Because I, I know we went to Philly a bunch. Well, no, they they shoot they they shot it out here, or where did they shoot? They the shot show? it out here, but we did three trips a year to Philly to get like you know the Liberty Bell, the Schuylkill River, uh, the, the the you know those alleys, those gorgeous right. alleys that you don't have out here, uh, and just the, the the museum and and then and, and um, what did they say that the the main big drag was designed. The parkway is like the Champs Elysees, right? Because uh, it was was it Washington, Washington designed. Uh, I'm not saying yeah, I, that. I grew up ten minutes from there. I don't even know. I think, I think George Washington spent a lot of time in Paris and like kind of went. I this is what I want to do, and that's what that whole. There's a European feel in there, and there's another Philly vibe too. Someone, one of our guys from the set, uh, our set painter Dave Toxic Dave, uh, he said um, that there's they can trace Philly. To a certain area in England. Okay. And these were the most unruly <laughs> yeah. buggers well, going. That's, that's and they kind of went, you know what? All of you get. And so that's the Philly. If you're not from here, you ain't from here. Now, how do people accept you when you're there? Because the show, because oh, it, it. It, it gives, it gave, you know, there's not a lot of, sh- I mean, the Cosby show or whatever, or not like, but some, there's not many shows that were based in Philly dramas and it just and it shows Philadelphia the city off and I always crack up because there was an episode where it was uh, the country club the lady got killed and it was a country club in Cherry Hill New Jersey and I grew up in Cherry Hill so I was like watching it and when we were watching you go wow and then you go wow Kensington or or Fishtown or or K and A. Germantown. Yeah, they never show Kensington and Allegheny, which is all like the meth heads and like the worst area. But it, it must Philly people must have really appreciated you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when we went, hey, go guys, hey. The one I, the one thing I've found throughout the years, I I do um, uh, a Napo convention in Washington. It's the National Association for Police Officers. And I, I'm giving awards out to cops who've gone above and beyond the call of duty. And you always wonder how the cops perceive you because obviously our bullets are fake. Right. You know, I get people coming through and saying, you know, I think I could be a cop. Yeah, because I usually figure out who does it on your show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and I always made the point of telling these cops, it's like, hey, I, I'm honored to be asked to be here and I'm doing a show and I have nothing but respect for the law enforcement. I know that. There's a there's a bunch of bad apples everywhere you, in every business, and they seem to focus on the ones with the police. They, this is a police state, but the first number you call, 
when you are in trouble, right. when it hits the fan and you'd have no other, you'd, and you're terrified, they will come and get you out. Um, and they told me when I said, I'm honored to be here, they just said, you know what? It shows like yours that help us out. Oh, yeah, because it puts a human angle on our stories. Which must make you feel great. Yeah. So, and that's the same way when we went to Philadelphia to be like, hey, man, make it Philly look good. Exactly. You know, like, okay. <laughs> so after Cold Case, now you, you have to start auditioning again or acting again. Yeah. That must be, I mean, it's great because it's in, it's, you're getting residuals, I'm sure. So I've been that's looking great, for but... work for 30 years now. Uh, I just had a seven year layover. Right. Okay. You know, it's 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 been a gypsy life. Even when I was working on that, you know, in the hiatus, you're like, oh, is there a film coming up? Is there something? You know, it, you're you're in a constant, and it, I, I get some people to kind of go, how can you live like that? I said, well, you know, that's, that's it acting. takes that certain kind of person to do it. So what's it what's it like though? Because you go on as a as a guest star, and people know like, oh, that guy had that series. Did they ever? Are, are they sort of like dickish to you sometimes? Because you know, you you. I mean, you were on a long series, and so they're like, oh, you know, they, no, are they, you know or what? they intimidated? Maybe they, thinking there 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 are. I would imagine people like that, but for the most most part, I, I would like it. It's a lot like uh, the NHL. You know, everyone kind of respects how hard it is to get. Where you get right, you earn every inch in this town, and if you don't, you'll find out very fast. You know, there's a lot of A-list actors that all of a sudden you see, right, right, because right. it went to their head, and then no one. So, it, we, and we were known, we were known around the city as a great show to work on. There was no ego, there was none of that stuff. And I, you know, I worked with Dennis Franz years ago, and came right up to me out of the gate. He said, "How you doing? I'm Dennis." I was like. Oh, you mean 11 Emmy Award winning right, Dennis yeah. Franz? You introduced <laughs> yourself to me, and that you, that learns on you. Goes, you want to run these? You want to run lines? There was none of that stuff because you can get on some shows where the people on on top just think that their poop doesn't stink. Right. Um, but for the most part, um, the shows that I've been on, and too, there's also like, hey, you know, if they're fans of the show, you know, and there's another great part of this business is telling stories. Uh, I just worked, you know, again, my uh, with uh, Chris Carley, and it was uh, talking about Eastwood stories, and it was hilarious. I actually wanted to do this on the backstage of Cold Case because we had Peter Graves, we had uh, Chad Everett, we right. had we had some vintage, oh yeah, amazing. Hollywood coming, uh, Barbeau, uh, Adrian Barbeau, like just these people. You kind of go, oh my god, I want to set up a booth and say, right. talk to me, <laughs> just tell me, like, tell, you know, what, did you work with Groucho Marx? Right, right. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so, so what do you have? Coming up, because we, we have like three minutes left. So what, what's coming up now? I have an audition at 4.30 this afternoon for uh, um, uh, Hand of God, which is uh, uh, Amazon is producing it. I just read, and out front, the Hollywood Reporter had there's like five series that Amazon had, is yeah. coming out with. And the business is changing. Uh, it, it's crazy. And people are now doing that 13-episode template. Uh, they're putting it all out on one day. Uh, I mean, we still need the barn. We still need the makeup. We still need the writers. We still need the song and dance. But now, the the actual getting it to marketplace is changing, and it's uh, it's actually opening up doors because uh, the language allowed oh, yeah. on the internet. Oh, it's crazy! It's I, kind I of just, even that's what cable did too. It's yeah. like doing HBO and Showtime. It's just you can say whatever you want. You know, it's not, and you can. And the material's getting pretty. It gets, yeah, it gets, it gets, it gets some of the stuff. Well, that's like what I said. I watched Criminal Minds last week, and that was just a dark show. Mm. But the cable takes it like that much more because I mean, you sit there. I was watching, going, "Man, this is disturbing." <laughs> yeah, I read Hand of God last night, and on the last page, it was like, 
Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> and Jersey Boys you're in? Jersey Boys, I play a cop. And when's that Surprisingly come out? Surprisingly enough. When's that come out? I have no idea. Because I, I know Louis Lombardi was in it, and a bunch mm -hmm. of other people are in it, and I'm like, it keeps hearing about it, and you know, being from New Jersey, I'm like, I want to see it. But hopefully it'll come out. Anyway, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for coming on. Um, now, the Twitter. I know you, you have two Twitter accounts. Well, no. There's Jeremy Ratchford, my name spelled correctly, and that's not me. Okay. But <laughs> that guy has a picture of me and says, hey, I'm a fan of Jeremy Ratchford. Okay. And he sends out um, horoscopes and who signed up for whatever. Okay. And I've had friends of mine going, why are you sending out yeah. horoscopes? Not me. I'm Jeremy Ratch. The number four D, D Jeremy Ratchford, because that guy's got my name. Right. I don't know how the heck that happens. I know. And I'm still, because of Chris Carter last week, I'm now, I think I, I had 10 tweets at that time. Now I'm up to like 18. Well, good. I, I, I tweeted at the earthquake. Well we'll, 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 we'll follow you. People follow him. And I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, it, was, it was a great pleasure meeting you. And people follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. That's so you can follow me. And you can send me an email at cooper at indy100.com. I love to hear your feedback and some guests you would like to get. Also, if you want to hear past episodes, go to coopertalk.net. I have about 240 episodes up. Or you can go to your smartphone and the Google Play Store, there's a Cooper Talk app, and you can just download that, and you can listen to it anytime. Also, iTunes and Stitchers, check it out. Also, every Tuesday, I host Crappy Comedy at Jimmy's Place on Magnolia in Burbank. Uh, follow me, you'll find out when that is. And next week, we have uh, Kathleen Rose Perkins from Episodes, and the drummer from Corn, Ray Lazier. So uh, check that out. And I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Remember, drink your water, take your vitamins, eat your vegetables. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day.